KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. Facebook has been in the news a lot as of late, and for all the wrong reasons. A whistleblower named Francis Haugen says the tech giant hides what it knows about the damage it does with regards to sowing division and hate and more, and prioritizes its own interests over what's good for the public and Facebook users. We wanted to talk about Facebook, what we've learned from the whistleblower, and what could be next. So for this conversation, we caught up with Dr. Patrick Coyle. He is an assistant Professor of Management and Leadership in the School of Business at LaSalle University. Give a listen. So to start, kind of talk a little bit about what we've learned from the whistleblower. I believe her name Frances Hogan, and I believe there's another whistleblower that wants to testify for Congress. What have we learned, and have we honestly learned anything that if we're kind of being honest with ourselves and with society that we didn't know before? Yeah, so I think there are several perspectives you could take here. And of course, the alleged internal documents discuss several topics, including the risk that Instagram poses to teenagers' mental health, algorithms that reward things like outrage, political divisiveness. But taking a different perspective, we've also learned that content moderation at scale is a significant challenge. And what makes Facebook a very difficult system to manage is the extent to which they can succeed in said content moderation, not to mention managing its impact on society, which grows and changes on a day-to-day basis. You know, as, as far as uh, have we really learned anything here, there's, there's two perspectives you can take on that question as well. The first is that Facebook has made it rather clear who and what they are from the very beginning and why they want users spending as much time as possible on their platform. But I think a complementary opposite view could be that we've learned a lot about the breadth and the depth of these issues. And that's useful because it could potentially help a lot of people more accurately evaluate the scope of these issues and put them into context, which, of course, is really useful for how we make decisions in our own lives about our relationships with social media. Do you think we appreciate as a society... Uh, for lack of a better term, the damage that Facebook has done, uh, you, you know, talk about Instagram with with young girls, the misinformation, political divisiveness on Facebook, stuff like that, because it, it's kind of happened. So it's built up over time. Do we appreciate the damage it's done, the change it's had on society? You know, to to be able to appreciate the damage, I think you first need to appreciate that we are dealing with a problem here that has enormous complexity on several levels. And at the regulatory level, there's certainly going to be increased pressure for legislative action to enact enforcement of regulation to protect people's private data. But, you know, at at an individual level, there's a lot of variability in how people look at these issues. And, you know, the I think the one consistent takeaway for everyone, regardless of their view, is that we definitely need to be proactive in determining what our relationship with social media should be and the extent to which we are willing to trade convenience and entertainment for protection of private data. So the real question here is, where do we draw the line? You know, of course, uh, everything that's happening right now is 
you know, in a way, a suggestion of where the line should be drawn. But I think we need to encourage people to make up their own minds about this as well. To that point of where the line should be drawn, who should do the drawing? Is it a the market? Should it be Facebook? Should it be some regulatory agency putting the hammer down? It's a really important question to consider. Um, you know, I, I a colleague reminded me that Neil Postman wrote about a potential point of inflection in which media becomes entertaining to the point where it distracts us from our problems. And I think he'd agree that Facebook is a really good example of this. But, you know, Facebook has had such an immense impact on society, you know, to how we relate to information, how we relate to companies, how we relate to each other. And I think it's fair to say that Facebook and social media in general have become a lens through which people perceive the world. So, you know, it's it's really a matter of everyone kind of weighing in on this. But ultimately, you know, in our own lives, I think, you know, there's there's an impetus on us to be proactive determinants of where we should draw the line. And, uh, you know, that that's because a lot of the things like what happens with regulatory action and the extent to which, uh, you know, companies like Facebook will cater to their shareholders is largely outside of our control. What do you think we will see from Facebook going forward? Do you think in the light of these whistleblower allegations, these documents, the the public pressure, do you think we will see maybe not the drawing of a line, but some proactive steps that they will take to try to keep the naysayers at bay? I think the core of this question probably comes down to, you know, how does Facebook get back public trust and to what extent are they actually interested in public trust, right? On the surface, you can say that they, they can make a lot of strides here by making a genuine effort to become an industry leader in protection of private data. However, I think it's actually fair to wonder just how much Facebook is really concerned about things like public trust. The company has shown that it's more than willing to engage in public relations, but people don't necessarily need to trust Facebook in order to interact with it, right? So I think there's you know some some level of unclear motive here we'll say and it's fascinating you say that people i think people don't need to trust facebook to interact with it to me that's that screams to me like this is something people have basically a lot of people funnel their entire life on many levels through and it's an entity that if you ask them they'd probably say oh no i don't trust them but yet you are using it and dumping everything about you onto it I agree. Um, you know, it's it's th- these social media platforms can be psychologically addictive to many individuals. And, uh, you know, the design of the business model, again, is to get as many people as possible to spend as much time as possible interacting with the platform. We've seen, you know, in the whistleblower testifying before Congress. I've read many think pieces that this is a bipartisan issue that both sides agree on. However, despite all this, I am pessimistic that we will see specifically Congress uh, come together to try to to do anything. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think if we do see something, it would be more from an FTC, another regulatory agency? Or do you think we will just see a lot of sound bites and, you know, some trimming around the edges? But for the most part, this will be left to, to, to its own devices. Yeah, it's a bit of a loaded question, unfortunately, because it's uh, this this is uh, now getting into, you know, 
politicians' motives and the extent to which they are interested in implementing change to protect private data versus, you know, looking good for political reasons. As far as the FTC is concerned, you know, Facebook has had interactions with them in the past that have resulted in, you know, heavy fines levied in 2020. Um, you know, Facebook as a company decided that that was not necessarily Mark Zuckerberg's personal responsibility, but a company responsibility. So, you know, there is uh, there is always the need to consider not just uh, how how you know Congress and the FTC might initiate interactions with Facebook, but the uh, but the you know options Facebook has to deal with those interactions as well, and they're difficult to predict, unfortunately. How much of this, and you mentioned Mark Zuckerberg, and obviously he is the synonymous with Facebook as you know the founder. How much of the problems are a leadership problem? I hear a lot of people say if Mark Zuckerberg wanted X, Y, and Z, if if he wanted vaccine misinformation eliminated from Facebook, it could be eliminated today. How much of the, and I'm just saying that as a you know what people pose as an argument, but how much of the problems are a leadership problem, or not even problems? How much of the situation is based on the direction that the leadership takes it? Yeah, this is a fantastic question. And I, I, sp- I suppose the answer is somewhat a matter of perspective. But, you know, from a broad perspective, we can say that critics of Facebook are largely focused on two aspects of the company that they consider to be highly problematic. And the first is its governance. Mark Zuckerberg has a very high level of control over the company, which is reinforced by a two-tier share ownership structure. So, you know, this could certainly come down to Mark Zuckerberg's leadership from that perspective. And I, I think the other the other aspect that people consider to be highly problematic is Facebook's core business model, which is supported by machine learning algorithms that influence what appear in the news feeds of Facebook's, you know, approximately 2.85 billion users, right? And it's the output of these algorithms that are the current focus of congressional inquiry. Is there a scenario where Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook part ways, either because it just becomes untenable from a public relations standpoint, you know, or the shareholders revolt or, you know, could you ever see a situation where, you know, I don't want to say he's pushed out, but it just becomes obvious for everyone that a new voice or a new face at the top is needed? You know, my answer here is highly speculative, but, you know, because of the level of control that Mark Zuckerberg has over Facebook, and since, you know, several people that are close to him would describe him as an individual who's intrinsically curious about technology, it's difficult for me to imagine a situation in which he leaves Facebook either willingly or by force in the near future, despite conflicting reports on this in the past. But, you know, it's interesting to note that Mark Zuckerberg himself has has noted in the past that he believes that he would probably not currently be with Facebook if he didn't have that level of control over the company. If he does leave, I'd have to imagine that it would be of his own volition, likely to pursue a different technology-related opportunity. I know in the past we've heard a lot about this Facebook oversight board uh, that you know is as independent, I guess, as it can be to decide on big questions. They were the ones that had the, should Donald Trump be reinstated 
uh, question put before them. How much, I don't know if trust is the word, but how independent can a board be that is hired and put together by the company it's designed to oversight, if, if that question makes sense? It does make sense. And I, I think there are several different views that people take on this. And, you know, I, I think the first is that, you know, the, the board clearly has, you know, enough of ability to influence the decision making process to, you know, uh, make recommendations like like we saw, you know, in the past with uh, Donald Trump. And then I think, you know, the the other side of the coin is that a lot of people see the board as, you know, serving at Mark Zuckerberg's pleasure, right? So, you know, it's it's difficult uh, for outsiders to really, really evaluate the extent to which either perspective is true. Um, but, you know, I think context can help you piece a couple of things together, you know, especially when considering the level of control that Mark Zuckerberg has over the company. Um, you know, a, a totally different way to look at this question is that Facebook has grown into a very difficult entity to manage. Content moderation at scale is a very difficult process to manage. Uh, so, you know, managing Facebook's impact on society and its user base becomes exponentially more complicated as a result. I want to, you know, we've done a lot of speculating in this. You and I are talking five, five years from now. What do you think Facebook looks like? Think it's basically the same. Maybe they don't own some of the entities they've bought up. They've been, you know, they've either, thinking they can get ahead of things, but do you think basically it has the same role in America and, you know, the life on earth, not just in America? Well, uh, you know, just for consideration, you know, the, the world is, is becoming an increasingly com complex place very quickly. Um, and I think Facebook as a company finds itself sort of at a crossroads here where their, uh, their primary user base, uh, you know, is, is, more advanced in age than they used to be. And they're wondering whether or not to stay with the business model that they have used for so long, or whether or not they want to transition and maybe find a way to try to engage a younger user base um, and the extent to which they could do that successfully, right? So, you know, these are, these are large scale strategic decisions that you know, they'll, they'll have to make and, you know, it won't be it won't be until we see what those decisions are that we'll be able to determine exactly what Facebook is going to look like in the future. It's difficult to see past choices that a company has to make like that. Would Facebook be better served? We've talked about the scale and the size and the scope. Would they almost be better served to be smaller with the idea that they could get a handle on these things and provide a a product that is is more you not user friendly but uh has less negative attention on it because i agree with you part of the problem is it's just so huge that it's just almost impossible i would think to keep track of everything but you know would they be better served if they you know hey we do this if we clamp down on this if we lose these types of losers of, of these users uh we can provide something that will have a lot less scrutiny 
you know, yes, it won't have the growth, but what we make up for in lack of growth, we make up we make up for with just a, a better quality experience and a better we are looked at through a better lens. That's a long question, and I don't know how convoluted it is. <laughs> it's a really interesting question. And and my initial reaction is that being smaller would be counter to their current business model and objectives. Um, you know, I I could see I could see a potential option being breaking Facebook up into several different smaller, more niche platforms. Uh, but again, for, for that to happen, you know, I think their overall objectives would have to evolve. Um, and, and, you know, whether or not they're better served to do one thing versus the other, again, re- really depends on their, their mission and their vision, right? So, um, you know, I, I think uh, what a lot of people would like to see is them doing some work on their vision and their mission and, you know, maybe trying to make that a little bit more, a uh, little bit more positive for society, right? That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. <laughs>